Well, good morning, New City. John, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, no doubt many of you have received the letter that went out from the leadership team yesterday. And so you know that Mary and I are in the process of transitioning out of our role as lead pastors here at New City. If you did not receive that, if you're not on the all at newcitycov.org email list, you can send an email to me and I'll forward that email to you. Uh, we are also, so Mary's going to be leading a youth call right after service, and then uh, we're actually going to be having uh, the leadership team in that email sent out an invite to an all-church uh, Zoom meeting as well, where we can do some processing later on this afternoon at 3.30, so you can join there. So as I kind of processed that this email went out yesterday, um, I've been thinking about what do I do, how do I preach a sermon, and so what I would like to do is I'd like to try and preach a normal sermon, but also weave in some of the processing that Mary and I have been doing over the last few months, and I'll actually invite her up later in the sermon, um, but I also want this to be a time for you to process and hopefully meet with the Lord and hear from the Lord this morning. And today is the second Sunday in Lent, and what we're doing throughout Lent is we are, um, we're in the passion narrative, which is stories from the life of Jesus in the final week of his life as he's uh, going to the cross in those final days. And the story that Ian just read for us, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, is really one of the, the most famous scenes from this past passion narrative. And it, and it is kind of happening right on the front end of, of all of these intense moments that are going to unfold over the, the following days. And what this scene is capturing for us, and I think it's really important for us to name, because it's, it's crazy to think about that the God of the universe, the God who made each of us and made this world, he entered his creation, entered our world, and he faced suffering. And so this means, this normalizes it, it means we're all going to face suffering and hardship and pain. But what we see in this passage is that no matter the hardship and the pain and the suffering that you are facing, you always have a choice. You always have agency. We can't control what other people do to us. We can't control what our world throws at us. But we can always control our actions and how we respond to hardship to evil, to hurt. We always have a choice. It's true in all of life. Like, when, uh, even for children. When they're at a play date, remember when those used to happen pre-COVID? When they're at a play date and, and a mom shows up or a dad shows up to pick up their child and they say, it's time to go. This feels like tremendous suffering for a small child, but they have a choice in how they respond at this point. They can be respectful and obedient to their parents, honoring to their parents, or they can throw a temper tantrum and rebel against their parents. Their hardship is happening to them, but they have a choice in how they respond to that. If you're at a job and you get put on a project that you don't like, you can make the best of it and, and try and be a servant leader in the midst of that. Or you could resist it and be angry that you're disrespected for being put on this project and then maybe deliberately try and sabotage its progress as a way to, to show your happiness or vent your anger. Show your unhappiness or vent your anger. When a spouse does something rude to you, you can't control your spouse's behavior. 
can choose to forgive him or choose to forgive her, or you can choose to be passive-aggressive and punish your spouse in that way or in some other way. If you receive some difficult diagnoses, you can face it, you can accept it, and then go through it as best you can, as humbly as you can. Or you can live in denial, emotionally check out, maybe turn to a comforting addiction so you just don't have to face it or deal with the pain. When we're confronted with life and situations that we don't like, we can't always control what's happening to us, what people are doing to us, sinning against us, doing evil against us, or just hardship that's unfolding before us. But we always have a choice in the way we respond. And what this passage is revealing is that Jesus is in this place. And, and, and one of the things that he's wrestling with is this strong desire to do everything that he can to just avoid what he is about to face. He's on the front end of going to the cross and all the suffering that's going to unfold. And he's wrestling in prayer, asking, is there any other way? Can I avoid the hurt that is coming at me. Can I, can this cup pass from me? Is there any other way? And the tension that he's wrestling with as he is prayerfully considering, is there any way for me to avoid this hardship, is what is my Father in Heaven's will? So he's wrestling with this tension that he wants to avoid hardship and suffering, but he's aware that in all things, he wants to consent to his Father in Heaven's will. When you and I face pain and, and hardship, this is the same natural process that we go through. There's this desire to do whatever we can to avoid it. But what Jesus is asking is not so much like, how do I get this to stop hurting? How do I get around this pain? How do I fix it? How do I escape from it? I don't want to feel this. This is no good. He asks a different question. What is God doing in the midst of this hardship? This is the choice, and it's a critical distinction for us. It's not because it's not about whether the hardship is good or bad. If someone is doing something evil to you, if someone is sinning against you, if someone is wrong, or if there's just a terrible hardship that you're facing, you can say, this is bad. And asking this question, how do I consent to God's will in the midst of this, doesn't mean you're saying, oh, this is fine, or I don't matter, or I just have to let this happen to me. It's, a, it's at a deeper level. You're asking, what is God's action? in the midst of this hardship. How do I participate in that? How do I join God in that? What he's doing, his action. And the essence of this tension is expressed in verse 39. He's overwhelmed with sorrow. So it says, going a little farther, he falls down. He fell with his face to the ground. Jesus crushed by the weight of grief. And he prays, as we always do, God, help. God, help. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup, which represents suffering, hardship, be taken from me. 
Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is aware and naming his desire to avoid hardship. But he's also naming that he's not going to do anything unhealthy in order to make the avoiding of hardship happen. He's going to consent to the Father's will in all things, even if that means he has to face this hardship. And this is the crucial thing. This one verse represents the crucial thing that you and I have to remember whenever we face hardship or suffering or somebody wrongs us. We have to pay attention that it's not wrong, it's not bad for us to want to avoid it and not have this thing happen to us. But as we're aware of that, we submit our desire to avoid the suffering to our primary motivation and purpose, which is to consent to what God is doing. In order to do this, we have to be aware of all the unhealthy ways, and it's different, different personality types. People are wired in different in different ways and so we go through this we're tempted to go through the do the work of avoiding hardship in different ways like for some it is just escape like hardship comes and and you just kind of want to plug your ears and not face it and and so maybe you pull out your phone and watch YouTube clips or maybe you drink a little bit more because you just can't handle the feelings of anxiety that are overwhelming to you as you think about this hardship or or maybe you shop or maybe you eat or maybe you work harder <coughs> there's so many ways that we can just numb and and escape from hardship when we're facing this is a way of avoiding it avoiding the hardship and when we do that we are unable to consent to God's will. That's not God's will for us to numb, to check out. Another thing that many of us do when we try, want to avoid a hardship that's coming at us is we try and take control or fix it. We call up everyone we know and ask for advice and then we strategize about how we can put things back together and make sure that we're in control of how things are going to unfold. That's not consenting to God's will either. Another thing that we can do is we can manipulate people. And we may realize that we're facing a hardship and the only way out of it is to get another person to change who they are, to change what they think, to change what they're doing or what they want. So we start to try and manipulate them in a whole range of ways. But that's not consenting to our Father's will either. And the last thing, the last point I want to make that, that is that we can avoid consenting to God's will by just becoming a victim, by being a doormat. Kind of sit back and allow others to wrong us, which ironically allows us to, to face what God's purpose is in the midst of us being wronged. Consenting to God's will is not in this sort of abandoning, like, oh, I don't matter, people can just wrong me, just have to accept it and do nothing. That's not consenting to the Father's will. That's just playing the victim and, and avoiding whatever God is calling you to do in the midst of that. And Jesus doesn't do any of these things. He does not want to face what's about to unfold before him in this passion narrative, but he doesn't run away from it. 
He doesn't play the victim either. He tells the truth to Pilate and everybody around him through the whole process, but he doesn't control people and stop them from hurting him. He doesn't manipulate people or, or try and orchestrate the situations to have things work out so that he doesn't face suffering. No, in everything, he's consenting to his Father in heaven's will, which is to live this life of love, which shows him even as he's hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Over the past few months, I have been doing my own uh, wrestling, and uh, I think the point of what this Garden of Gethsemane passage is for us is that Jesus models for us how to face difficult decisions. When we find ourselves in this tension where we are facing things that we don't want to face or that life is thrown at us that we don't like, and, and we've got to make a choice in how we're going to respond to that, Jesus shows us the way to wrestle through this and then invites us to do what he does, where we say, not my will, but yours be done. And so we, we search for God's will, and then we consent to it. I've been thinking about some of those types of situations over the last handful of months and around our time here at New City. And, and one of the things that we had to face, that we've all had to face, is the COVID realities. Shut down our in-person worship. And I wanted to fix this. I wanted to find a way to make it work. But the reality is, this is happening to us. And we needed to keep people safe. Consenting to God's will is different than consenting to COVID. COVID is the reality we have to face and accept. But consenting to God's will is paying attention to what God is doing in the midst of COVID, then consenting to that, participating in that action, which is different than COVID. Another thing that's happened is, as we've been wrestling with it, whether it's time for us, as we've been wrestling with when is the time for us to leave New City, one of the things that I've been aware of is um, my desire to just this, this is it's very comfortable for for our family to stay at New City and as I've noticed this call to move in this new direction for both me and for Mary I have not wanted to heed this and so I've started to think about it and then when I think about all the pain that's going to cause for me and for Mary and for my kids I've wanted to just numb that pain away so there's been this wrestling and, and paying attention to that temptation. There's also then been this wrestling that has happened as I've been trying to discern what's next. And God is putting this call upon me to move into these spaces to lead retreats for clergy and non-clergy individuals, to meet with people one-on-one -on -one in spiritual direction, uh, to spend more of my time in prayer. At the same time, our family has more needs just because of the COVID realities. Um, New City has needs, and, and there's just been this awareness of all these responsibilities that I'm trying to hold and to sort through. And so I've just been aware of limitations. How do I wrestle with these 
limitations. And, and recognizing that I can't do everything has meant I've had to discern which is the direction that the Lord is calling me to move in and then consenting to God's will even though I know it's going to cause pain for me and for those around me. And so out, throughout my wrestling, and this is this place that I've landed that's time for us to, to move on, and in all of it, it is rooted in this desire to discern God's will and God's call in my life and then consent to it as best I know and understand it. Could be wrong. I don't want to say this with too much hubris. But as best I can discern and notice God's movement in my spirit, in my soul, this is the direction that he is calling me and our family. So I have to consent to that. I need to be aware of my tendency to want to engage in avoidance mechanisms, not feel the pain, not face the pain, avoid the hardship, and repeatedly return to this paying attention work. What is God doing today as I follow his leading and voice? So this is a little bit about my journey over the last few months and some of the wrestling that I've been doing as I discern this increasing call to be spending more time in prayer, to be meeting with people one-on-one -on -one in spiritual direction and leading spiritual formation groups and retreats. And, but now I want to invite Mary up, and she's going to share a little bit about how she has gone through this wrestling as she has searched, what is God's will? How do I consent for it? Um, I think I'm just like envisioning everybody's still here, it's not COVID, and just deep gratitude, um, deep, deep gratitude. I'm remembering how we, you know, in the middle of sermon would hear a child's cry, and, you know, we'd all laugh and welcome that. Um, just the ethos and the feel and the um, culture of our church. So deeply grateful for the 12 years we have got to pastor together. Grateful for John to be able to be pastor alongside him and how he has led and um, how he has loved New City. And um, I'm also sad. Uh, consenting to God's will is not always fun. I have this tension within me where I so deeply love New City and at the same time have been called to another work. Um, last year, about this time, I began. Um, working for the denomination in different denominational roles um, around racial equity and with the Mosaic Commission. Um, as the Mosaic Commission chair, I have worked really hard over this year um, to really help our denomination lean into the six-fold test. Um, and really, we've been leaning into practicing solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and something that some of you, it came out in an email, but maybe some of you missed it, um, I work 30 hours a week with the denomination. And at that point, I was going to leave New City completely, but I was wrestling because I love New City too much. And so I asked the leadership team, can I please stay on for 10 hours? Um, and throughout this year, it has been hard to do both jobs really well. Um, and recognizing my limitations too, that I have a family, that we're in COVID, and that I can't do both. So we're a mix of deep sadness and also knowing that God is calling us to different places of ministry. As I've been working with 
the denomination as John has been pastoring pastors and helping people bring their souls before the Lord. I'm just gonna name that I'm deeply sad along with you because New City has been our church home, our church family for some of our kids, the only church they've ever known for the past 12 years. And I feel the loss. But I also feel the love, the texts, the emails, um, the people saying, we love you. This is hard, but we love you. So I am grateful that you guys are along with us as we're trying to consent to God's will for our lives. a little bit about the process that we've gone through as we're trying to discern what is next for us and where we have gotten to this place where we uh, believe that in order to consent to God's will, we need to leave New City. And as I named before, uh, as I named in the letter, as we named in the letter yesterday, um, there's a Zoom call this afternoon at 3.30, but we also are very much available to meet with people individually, to process with you, uh, to share more. I would love to talk more with anybody who wants to talk with me about how, if, they want, if you have more questions about how we went through this process or how we came to this place or, or what the journey has been like for me over the last handful of years as I've increasingly felt this call to move in this direction or if you want to talk to Mary about how she started getting involved in our denomination and the work that she's doing with them, uh, reach out to her too. So we're happy to share more. We just, are, we want to give you kind of the first uh, insight into what's going on with us and then the Zoom call this afternoon at 3.30 and then any individual conversation. And I also just want to name the leadership team has been trying to do the same thing that we've been doing. Now that they've been, they're aware that we're leaving, they're trying to facilitate a process by which New City as a community can consent to God's will about what's next. And so they've been in conversation, as the letter from the leadership team mentioned yesterday, they've been in conversation with our denominational representatives. You know, there's a plan, they have a plan, there's interim pastors that could be hired, there's, uh, there's a whole process, churches go through this f fairly regularly, and so there's a whole process that is, can be put in place. Uh, but the leadership team wants to facilitate bringing more people into that conversation, and you'll hear more about that this coming week and next weekend as well. So just uh, please be aware of that. So I want to bring our time in the sermon to a close. And I just want to name that what Jesus is doing, what I've explained Mary and I are doing, what the leadership team is doing with the community this is something we are all called to do. Life never, ever unfolds as we think it's supposed to. People sin against us. Hardship happens. And we're never, the call is never to just accept it, be a martyr or a victim. The call is never to take control and be powerful and make sure you don't get hurt or, or any other of the false avoiding techniques. The invitation is always, what is my Father's will in this? And how do I consent to it? Who am I called to love? How am I called to love? 
as I face whatever I'm facing. And so I want to pause. So one of the things we're doing in Lent is at the end of every sermon, we want to make space for a little bit more of a reflective uh, silence or discussion. And so we're going we're gonna to leave you. The sermon's going to end with a question. And then you can sit in silence, maybe pull out a journal if you want, and process that question prayerfully before the Lord. Or you can turn to the people you're worshiping with if you're with other people and, and discuss the question with them if you feel comfortable. And so the questions that I want to process with you are, what, in what area of your life is God inviting you to consent to his will? So what hardship? This could be just this transition phase that New City is going through, or it could be something else. As I ask you this question, what hardship? Are you wrestling with right now what comes to mind? And then pay attention. What are some ways you are tempted to avoid consenting to God's will and just choosing some avoidance technique to avoid the suffering? So these are the questions that we are, I want to invite you to consider. So we'll start with a little bit of silence and then Jamie and Mary will play and then uh, we'll go through our final worship songs together.